You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. So if you need batteries, be sure to go to interstatebatteries.com and check out all the batteries that these guys offer. Also, stop into a local Interstate Batteries retail shop and talk with a specialist about what they can do to help you fulfill your battery needs. These guys have everything from batteries for your trail cameras, your range finders, and even your truck. And from uh, what I heard from a buddy who is a car nut, that their vehicle batteries are some of the best in the industry. So, if you need batteries, visit interstatebatteries.com or visit a local retail store interstate batteries outrageously dependable All right, everybody, welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. I thought Black Sabbath would be a good choice for this Black Friday. I'm pretty sure there's some kind of copyright infringement right there, and uh, uh, this episode might get deleted later, but I felt that I needed to kick this episode off with a bang because... If it's Friday after Thanksgiving, that means there's probably a couple of you guys out there who are listening to this podcast while your wife is shopping and you're sitting on a bench in a Victoria's Secrets or in the parking lot of a shoe carnival or Kohl's or a dress barn and you want to blow your brains out, but you got this podcast to keep you from doing that. So, um, or the other option is that you are at home watching the kids who are jacked up on sugar because your mother-in-law feels that the only way for her to get your grandchildren, her grandchildren's love is to spoil them with sugar. And, uh, that might be what I'm going through today, but We got an absolutely awesome podcast today. We're going to be talking with Ben Brindley out of Oklahoma. And there's something about Oklahoma, something in the dirt, something in the water. 
Every year, these guys keep impressing me with the caliber of bucks that they're laying down every single season. I think last year, Oklahoma had the most 200-inch deer killed in any state. And this year, it seems like they're on pace for that, at least to do it again. But we're going to be talking with Ben about uh, a big buck that he's been chasing this season and then another deer that he ended up catching up with and uh, pulling the trigger on. So a uh, great episode. Uh, it's kind of a BS session, kind of a success story session. Uh, but before we get into today's podcast, we got to talk about ripcord arrow rests, right? And uh, I've been using ripcord, I think there was maybe one year within 13 years that I took a ripcord off my bow, put a different brand on, and then right back to ripcord after that year. Not only is their their products easy to tune, but they're, they're quality built, right? They fire every single time. I'm very hard on my equipment, and a ripcord has never done me wrong. Ice, dirt, snow, you name it, this piece of equipment, this rest can take anything you throw at it, right? I've dropped my bow out of the tree before, and the last thing that I need to worry about is my rest. And it's one of the most, in my opinion, it's one of the most important accessories on a bow because it is one of the last things that touch the arrow before it launches. So not only do you need it quality built, but you need it to be consistent. And uh, I feel that ripcord arrow rests do that so if you want to find out more information about their string and limb driven systems go to ripcordarrowrest.com and check out all the SKUs that these guys offer uh, and i'm pretty excited to uh, meet with the owner again at the ata show this upcoming january and bs with him and uh, the rest of the ripcord crew so be sure to take out check uh, take a look at ripcord arrow rest now Let's get into today's success story podcast with returning guest and Oklahoma native Ben Brindley. All right, we got a returning guest on today. His name is Ben Brindley out of Oklahoma. What's up, man? Not much. How you doing? Oh, can't complain. You got any kids? Yes, sir. One daughter. One daughter. How old is she? She's eight. Eight years old. All right. She's sassy. Yes, sir. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Dude, I'll tell you what. A little bit. She gets that from her mother. Right, right. They all do, right? Uh-huh, exactly. So I got a, I got a, a little story. You know, you, you know what kind of day it's going to be. My daughter's room's downstairs, and typically uh, I'm upstairs. And I'm awake before everybody else in the house for the most part. And uh, the first noise my daughter makes walking up the stairs is, like a whine and i'm just like oh (laughs) dear lord please please don't let her be whining all day long well and so far she's whined all day long so that's just a little bit about you know of of me bitching about my kids i love them to death but it's gonna it's gonna be a rough day i don't know if it's the moon phase or (laughs) or what the deal is but man it's gonna be a stressful day today i just know it Man, I'm pretty lucky. Mine's pretty easy. I, I, I'm kind of scared, though, because she's been so easy up to this point. 
that like the I don't know I'm kind of worried about the teens like I'm just going to get paid for my raisins when that comes around. <laughs> Absolutely, that that's what I you know I look at my three kids and every once in a while you'll you'll hear a story of a guy going ah oh, the first guy I ever hit was my old man you know like <laughs> something like that. I think out of all the people, if I get in a fist fight with any one of my kids, it's going to probably be my daughter. Right. <laughs> that's how. That's how ornery she is but it's almost to the point where i i respect her for that because she's very set in her ways she's got an idea Uh in her head she wants to she wants to follow through with it uh even though if it's you know something i don't want her to do but uh Mm -hmm. this isn't a parenting podcast this is a this is a, a hunting podcast and uh what the first question i have for you is what are you guys feeding your deer down in oklahoma Man, I think just a lot of soybeans and then corn, probably. My Lord. Every, you know, Oklahoma's out of the bag. There are some I know, slobs. I hate it, too, because we were kind of a sleeper there for a while, and it's starting to get where everybody's knowing about it. Last year, Oklahoma had the most 200-inch deer killed out of any state, I believe. This year, it seems almost like you guys are right on pace uh, to equal that, yeah. if not beat it, I mean, just slobs all over. Now, is that a is that a certain part of the state that is really good, or the whole state? Well, man, it used to be everybody wanted to go out in western Oklahoma, but anymore they're killing just hogs everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's pretty spread out all over the state at this point. Yeah, and is that the Arcan closer to the Arkansas border? Uh, yeah, that's I'm over here. I'm probably a hundred miles from the Arkansas border. That's the east side of the state. Gotcha. And then, you know, West will hit up with uh, Colorado and Mexico yeah. over there. Yeah. So what is it? I mean, your opinion, you're an Oklahoma native. What is it about Oklahoma that is, you know, I'm sure I'm sure it's just like any state, right? Uh, Iowa, Illinois, you only really see the top tier of all the deer that come out of all these states. But what is it, in your opinion, about Oklahoma that makes it so special? Man, I think it's just got... A, it's kind of that perfect balance. There's enough ag to keep them fed and then enough cover that's still left that, you know, they can stay hid good enough to not get, you know, poached or anything like that. Yeah. It's What's... kind of a good combination of both of those things. Plus, people have gotten more educated on, on letting these younger bucks pass, and, and yeah. that's helped over the last – I've noticed a drastic difference probably over the last five years just on the quality and the age structure. Right, right. So – what are the winters like down there? Because I feel like the winters play a big role in the deer herd, too, especially in Iowa. Last year, our winter was brutal. Right. Man, it's fairly – that's one thing about Oklahoma weather. They say if, if you don't like it, just hang out for about five minutes and it's going to change. It's, uh, it can be – we've had those winters where it's really, really bad. But here lately, they've been pretty mild, especially compared to what you guys have up you know, farther north. Yeah. You guys get snow? Yes, but it's uh, the last couple winters we've had like one day with just a dusty, you know, nothing that hung around or anything. Right. So at least there's food on the ground all year round for them to find, right? They're not having to, Correct. you know, herd up and like go destroy a bean field and move to the next one. And uh, exactly. You know, yeah. And we're, we are a bait state as well. So there's right. a lot of guys that, you know, they feed year round pretty much. Right. Uh, the properties that you hunt, do you feed them year round? I usually, I'll try to carry them through the winter until green up, and then they usually quit paying attention to it around then anyway, so yeah. I quit wasting my money. Yeah, I hear that. 
So you were on earlier this year about uh, an 11 pointer that you killed last year. So if mm-hmm. for all the listeners, if you want to listen to that episode, just you know search uh, Ben Brindley and uh, you'll be able to find uh, the episode that we did. But the reason that you're on mm-hmm. again is because you laid down another beautiful buck and uh, i must say i'm a sucker for big eight pointers so uh uh, you're on again but man uh i want to talk about what you did as soon as the season was over last year that led you to start preparing for this year well i just uh you know as far as i've hunted this property for so long i i mean i still scout a little bit but for the most part i've kind of got it dialed as far as what they do you know so I just start prepping on, you know, if I'm going to got any stand sites I'm going to move or, or anything, I'm going to, you know, be disturbing in the woods. I try to get that done as soon as possible. And then I'll well, usually late summer, early going into, oh, probably around mid to late August, I'll start planting food pots and, and stuff like that and do my last second, you know, trim ups and, and things like that. Right. So at the end of last season, uh, you know, or you, you laid down this, this really good buck last year. Uh, how many tags, how many buck tags do you get in Oklahoma? We get two buck tags and you can, uh, you can either take two with a bow or you can take, you know, one with a bow and one with a firearm. Gotcha. What about non-residents just, uh, for my own personal I, knowledge? I believe the tag, I believe it's the same. Oh, okay. So I could, I could typically, I could go out to Oklahoma and get two buck tags. I believe so. Yes, sir. Hmm. That's a thought. That's a mm-hmm. thought. Uh, I'm going to have to think about that because I was talking with another buddy about going and trying to find some public ground in Oklahoma to hunt uh, one of these years. I don't know if I'm right. going to do it this year, uh, this upcoming year, but it's something that uh, I definitely want to, I want to, of all the states that I want to go hunt whitetails in, Oklahoma is probably top five. Yeah, man, you definitely need to get down there. It's it, it's it's good for sure. Yeah. What times your rut typically kick in? Oh, usually they'll usually start firing off about that first week in November, and then kind of run for two or three weeks. You know, gotcha. seems like right around Thanksgiving that you kind of get that last spurt where they get real heavy again, too. Yeah, that's what my my uncle lives in Kansas, and he told me that. Because uh, he hunted Iowa for years, and now he hunts down there in Kansas. And uh, he told me that it's almost like you could hunt the peak rut in Iowa, then drive down a week later to uh, Kansas and hunt the peak rut again. And yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it's almost like it's just delayed by uh, by a, a week or five days or something like that. Um, for sure, man. This year, though, for me personally, I don't know what everybody else had going on, but it seemed like everything was about a week early this year. Yeah, because it just went nuts around that last week of October, and then the first week of November. And here, the last, I've been off on vacation for uh, about twelve days now, and I haven't seen shit. And you know, besides little stuff, yeah, probably the last week. Yeah, so it's kind of I don't know if they're locked down or what's going on. Yeah, so. At the end of last season, you know, again, you laid down a beautiful deer. Was there any deer at the end of last year's season on the farms that you hunted that uh, you really had interest on? You know, like, okay, I, I got I got my buck down. Now I'm interested in ma- making sure that these deer make it through the year. 
and you're really hoping they survive. Was there any particular deer on the farm that uh, had you uh, had you interested in, in in their life, basically? Oh, 100%. That big, I think I sent you a pic of him, that giant. He was a giant eight-point, like yeah. a mainframe eight the first year I, I saw him. And then he was the same the second year, but he added a kicker and a drop tine. And then this year, he's like all palmated with all kinds of trap. I mean, he's just a monster, man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at the picture right now. Just uh, let me try to explain it to the listeners. He looks like he's three foot wide. He looks like a mule deer, to be honest with you. <laughs> he does. A giant he does, mule deer. Man. And he uh, he's got, it's almost like his, the tips of his, I'd say six inch brow tines kind of lay down at, at the top and then they split. Yep. And we got yep. a kicker off the, which would be the left G2 palmation on on the G3, and then on the right side, it's, uh, again, palmated, split G2, split G3, and it's just a mainframe eight with trash. Beautiful. Exactly. Beautiful Man, and he man. holds that. Yeah. He holds that mass, I mean, all the way almost up to the threes. I mean, yeah. he's just ridiculous, especially when you see him live. Yeah. So, this year, without a doubt, it sounds like he was your number one going into the season. He was. He all was. Right. All right. So, other than that, buck any other bucks that made it through the year that this summertime you started getting really excited about yeah there were two or three that were you know just right on the verge last year that i was pretty excited to see what they turned into this year yeah uh any and these deer what were their age classes oh the the ones that i was you know that were on the verge i would say they were probably three four-year-olds last year you know, so they'd be coming fours or fives this year. Four or five. So this hit list is strictly mature deer. All four-year-olds are over. Okay, cool. Yes, cool. All right, so you mentioned that in August you do, you know, you start putting in food plots and you start, you know, thinking a little more about, uh, let me back up a step. Do you shed hunt at all? I do. I'm not very good at it, but I attempt to. Yeah, yeah. So any sheds? Did you find any sheds to any of these hit listers? Not from any of the bucks that I was, you know, really interested in, though. Yeah, okay. All right. So it's time to start thinking about this upcoming season. Uh, you got these food plots in. Did you do anything special for any of the deer or change the, the property or plant-specific food plots or, or move a, a feeding station or anything like that uh, to prepare for Man. these particular deer? The only thing I really changed this year is I tried to, which I always set a bunch of different sets anyway, but I tried to even, you know, for each area, I don't know, say within 100 yards of space, I may have three or four different sets in that one area just for wind direction or if, if he starts picking me off or something like that, that way I can change it up. Yeah. So that's actually, to, that's a really to, good idea, man. That's that's something I think a lot, like more people need to need to listen to. Uh, is is the fact that when you find a good spot, whether it's because there's a, a good food source there or there's a good terrain feature there, some people think, hey, man, I can only hunt this area on a west wind or whatever. I completely disagree, and I think that right. every spot has multiple, multiple stand locations in it based off of wind uh, direction, and you should like you just have to change your access. Is that what exactly. you did? Yes, sir. Exactly. Every time I'll go in and set up, I'll just, 
you know, I try to do it during the time of year where I'm not messing anything up. I'll, I'll literally stand there and just stare at trees for probably 30 minutes trying to figure out, okay, I could sit here, I could sit here, I could get in here. You know, try to find at least three, possibly four different sets for that one location. Okay, I got gotcha. you. And uh, did that uh, – how much extra time did that take uh, you oh. as far as prep's concerned? Man, it really wasn't that bad, you know, because once – you know, just cutting limbs and that stuff was the most time-consuming. And other than that, it was—I'm already setting one or two sets there anyway, so it wasn't that much more extra right. effort. Right. Okay. All right. So, when did the trail camera pictures start rolling in uh, this year uh, for your hit list deer? Oh, they started showing up. Well, it was about a week earlier than usual. About that last week, October the big boys started rolling in here, you know, as far as daylight pictures. And uh, I tried to hold out and not really hunt that area until I started getting the daylight pictures of them. And uh, I think I got that giant on camera. I was at, yeah, because I remember I was pissed off. I was at, it was the day before Halloween. I was at uh, a girlfriend's house, and I got a picture of him at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon (laughs) that day. (laughs) Dude. And I pulled the card the next day, and, you know, son of a bitch. Right. And uh, so I went out and hunted him that evening. Right. And that was when I had the first encounter with, with the giant buck, not the one I shot, but right. with him. Well, I tell you what, man, there's something about, <laughs> and it, I, I, I can't wait till my kids are done with trick-or-treating. Because right. I, here's what I found uh, were on the farms that I hunt. I would say somewhere around the 28th, through the 31st of October are really good. Maybe even into mm-hmm. November 1st. And then on the right. farm that I hunt, it's like there's a dead period between November 1st or 2nd all the way up to November 5th or 6th. And then mm-hmm. on the 7th through the 12th or even 13th when I shot my buck is when it's the best or it gets really good. And I've never really hunted the farm past that. But it's right. almost like... I would ra- if I had two weeks, I'd rather split it up to the last week of October and then the second week of November. I agree. I think I'm going to do that next year instead of taking these two back to back because it seems the last few years this I've had one dead week, you know, yeah. every year, and then it finally kicks off again. Right, right. So how many acres are you hunting? Man, I just hunt a thirty acre piece. All uh, those. That's it. That's it. What's the What's the neighborhood like then? It's uh well, it's if you're going to have a 30 acres, it's actually you know it's the 30 acres because there's a oh, bunch of gotcha. ground behind it. Well, pretty much on all sides that's not hunted and thick and just you know perfect bedding and stuff like that. So it's and in the way my 30 sets up, I say my my family's 30. It uh, it's like a saddle that runs. You know, if they're going to travel between those areas that I was talking about, they're going to use this saddle. So it just gotcha. kind of funnels them all down to me. So it's the perfect. It's the perfect terrain feature on the 30 acres, and then all the deer in the surrounding properties kind of funnel their way through at some point. Correct. And I've got a ton of doe that, that use this 30. So, you know, when it starts getting good, everybody in town's sniffing around in here. <laughs> now, the, the, the question is, why doesn't anybody else hunt on the neighboring farms? Well, they uh, one neighbor, he's just, only just he'll they he'll rifle hunt and stuff occasionally he's just not really not into it that much you know yeah. and 
the other property that I was talking about, he he lives in Texas, so he's just up here. He may come up once during rifle season or something like that, you know, but it's not enough to to do any damage. Yeah. And, have uh, you ever tried to get access to those farms and just say, hey, you know, I'm I do just have access to, I do for both of those places. I've just never, I haven't got to the point where I needed to yet, you know. Oh, that's awesome. So, right. so it's almost like you have permission. So if you need to make a move outside of your 30, you can do it, but you yes. don't necessarily need to. Right. I've always got that kind of as a plan B. I just haven't got to plan B in the last four or five years. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't mean to sound like a cocky ass, but that's just kind of how it's panned out. Oh yeah, man. I mean, if you don't need to, you don't need to. Right. right. I mean, right. there's guys out there. Um, I was talking to a guy who he owns 120 acres in Iowa. I think he f- farms about 80 or 90 acres of it. All right. That uh-huh. leaves what 40, uh, 40 acres or 20 or 40 acres, 20 to 40 acres of timber. I'm not really sure the breakdown, but he's got a ground, uh, a ground blind or it's like a, a box blind in the middle of a cornfield that he waits and he, he kills a deer on late season. Uh, mm-hmm. And because in, in uh, Iowa, you can get a landowner tag and, that, which allows you an extra buck and then uh, your regular statewide tag. So okay. this, guy, this guy, he will sit in the same tree stand for every day during the rut, no matter what the wind is. And he will kill a, a, the mature hitless buck off his farm every single year and And there's some spots like that yeah just just the pitch so he doesn't need really necessarily worry i think he's got a camera that he goes drives his four-wheeler right up to checks it if the deer are coming in uh coming in uh, uh, he knows when he's gonna hunt it and then he's like all right well i'm gonna quit farming today i'm gonna go in i'm gonna kill this deer and then i'm gonna get back to farming i mean just like that every year right right (laughs) i wish i had a spot like that Man, that's kind of, as bad as it sounds, that's kind of how, how this place is. Yeah. It's gotten to be that way with me, you know. It's just, yeah. They, it's happened repetitively, you know, so many years. It's like almost, I, I like running cameras just because it gives you an inventory and, and uh, you know, you kind of get to see what's going on. But it's like I've gotten this place dialed good enough now where it's, I can almost just kind of know when to be there at this right. point, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, that's a good thing to... You know, that's a good problem to have, I guess. It is. It is, for sure. All right, so we get, we're, we're, it's now in the season. The big boy shows up, right? And uh, Mm -hmm. you go out and you hunt him, what, the next day, the following day after you get the trail camera picture of him. Uh, Yes, sir. Is is that like the first hunt of the year for you? No, I had hunted a few observation sets, you know, just kind of spots out of the way watching what was going on that's the first time i really got in there you know into the good spot right so during those observation hunts did you see anything that uh, got you excited yeah yeah i saw a, a uh several of them oh not him or the one i shot but a couple of ones that i was talking about that were on the verge of, of being shooters last year i got to watch a few of them and uh you know all kinds of does and stuff i mean they were entertaining sets for sure yeah i got gotcha. you so you you saw movement, you were pleased with it, you waited a while, you, you got the picture of the big boy, came back. Mm-hmm. 
let's talk about I that. I was getting him on camera already pretty consistently, just nothing in the daylight. So gotcha. I was waiting on that daylight. The daylight image is what set you off. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, so you got that daylight image. You moved in uh, for the kill. What what happened from there? Oh, I got down there and got set up. And, man, I started seeing deer right off the jump. Yeah. And mostly it was younger bucks that were cruising around. You know how the, the younger ones get, they jump the gun and yep. and get after it a little early. And uh, I was watching them, and they're probably about a uh, hour before dark. That big buck had been running with a, a, a nice three-year-old 10-point. And they were still hooked up running together for some reason. Well, that 10 jumps the fence and comes out. So then that kind of got me excited because they were both in there together the night before. And uh, he come in and milled around for probably 15, 20 minutes. When I look up and big boy's standing there at the fence line, you know how them bigger deer will stand there for 20 minutes and just kind of <laughs> stare at the field before they come out? Right, right. And he was doing that deal. And... uh he finally ended up coming out where he went down to the other end of the field, kind of, I think he saw a doe or something down there, and uh, kind of out of sight for probably 30 minutes. So I was sitting there thinking, well, at least I got to see him. And uh, I set the rest of the hunt and watched some more deer, and uh, it was probably 15, 20 minutes before it was too dark to shoot. I see him out of the corner of the blind window. He's working down towards me. So, and it's, you know, full-blown panic attack at that point. Um, <laughs> and this is know. a giant deer, right? Giant. I mean, well, I think you said he looked Photoshopped the yeah. last time we talked about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's big enough to give anybody a heart attack. And uh, so he's coming to me. Thank goodness he kind of kind of locked up and sat there for about 30, or not 30 minutes. It seemed like 30 minutes. It was probably three minutes. And uh, that kind of gave me a chance to get my shit together. Well, he ended up working down, and he was about 30 yards from me, broadside, perfect, just standing there. But I had two doe right in front of me staring at me, so I couldn't draw. So it was just like a waiting game. I didn't want to blow them out of there. And Even in the blind? Field. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they were like seven yards in front of me. Okay. The doe were. And uh, finally, they kind of peeled out of there. So I pull up and start to draw on him. And literally, like, mid-draw, this other doe runs, like, right by his face, and he peels off and chases her back into the thick stuff. Oh, so, I mean, it was, like, half a second before, you know, I'm I'm pinned on him. Right. And he so, runs off with her. So, n- no shot, unless you were quick, quick draw McGraw. You... Exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. And I've had problems with being too impatient before, so I've really tried to work on you know, taking my time and getting a good shot and not, because I've, I've spooked deer trying, you know, you get panicked and you try to throw your bow up and get, I, I've messed up doing that before, so I try to exaggerate not doing that now when it kind of bit me in the ass this time. Yeah. So, as he's running off, you know, obviously that moment's kind of screwed up. How confident were you that you would see him again? Man, I still actually, I, I had a pretty good feeling he would be back in there because he didn't see me. You know, I didn't spook him. He just ran off with her. So I ended up going back down there the next night. And uh, that's when I ended up shooting the, the other big eight. Okay. So the, you just had this encounter with your number one hit list buck. You were fairly confident that, uh, that you know, you were going to see him again. 
And then you go in, you said the next night? Yes, sir. Uh, did you hunt the the following morning at all, or is this this kind of just strictly a... Uh, no, I had something going on with my kids, so I couldn't get out that next morning. Gotcha. Okay. So when you go back, did you go back to the same exact stand or the same exact it, No, it was a, the same area, but it was a different different stand. It was probably 100 yards from that one. I had a different wind the next night. Gotcha. I think the, the first night I saw him, I had a north, and the next night it was a southeast, so I had to a different area gotcha so was were these deer coming into your feeder or were they coming into your food plot or why were they why were they coming out of this thicket into into the open where you could shoot them well it's that um all that saddle that runs through there and then it, it used to be real thick in that whole area well they it had been cleared uh to drill a couple oil wheels years back but then it's kind of grown back up crp but when they cleared it, they left all the big white oak trees. So uh, there's just tons of white oak acorns in there. So they come in there to feed on those. Gotcha. Okay. So it's a, a big it's a big food source for them. Correct. Gotcha. Correct. Okay. Uh, so you go back to a different stand. In how far were you from the uh, the blind the previous night? 150 yards, probably. Okay. All right. So not too ter- terribly far away. No, no, it's just pretty much the other end of that area. Gotcha. What time did you make it into the stand? I think I got down there about 2 o'clock. Okay. And uh, you get up, you start uh, seeing deer right away, or did it take take some time? No, nah, it was about, it wasn't too long, probably 3 o'clock they started seeing, or I started seeing does and smaller bucks and, and stuff like that milling around. Okay. All right. So how long until the deer you eventually shot showed up? He actually showed up pretty early. It was 4.15 or 4.30, but he was down there by that blind I set in the night before, so he was 150 yards away. And I watched him down there for probably 30 minutes. eating. He was eating acorns and, and messing around with a couple of does, just kind of cruising around down there. Yeah. And at that point, I'd already kind of made the decision I was going to wait on the bigger deer, you know, so I wasn't really – I was paying attention to him, but I wasn't, you know, just getting – tore up about it yet right so, and then kind of the night progressed and it was getting closer to dark and uh he started working towards me and then i watched him work a scrape and then he was messing with the dough and then he kind of he was just real slow just kind of working his way towards me you know and the more i got to looking at him I was like, man i'm gonna have a hard time passing this deer if he you know if he gives me opportunity you know yeah and then he ended up coming down there's a oh there's this tree where they always make a scrape under right in front of that stand i'm sitting in he worked his way down there to it and messed with it they end up running off with a doe i remember thinking well good now uh, i don't have to you know i don't have to try and pass him (laughs) he's gone you know i can just wait and uh i didn't see him for probably oh 30 minutes or so and then probably uh, 10 15 minutes before dark this doe comes kind of to my left she comes in i hear something grunting behind her i go oh shit he's coming back which uh so she comes in and as soon as she kind of gets into my line of sight i just go ahead and draw because i knew it was him you know i'd looked at him enough to know i'd be crazy to pass him if he's at 12 yards yeah and he stepped into view and i just let it fly yeah so 12 yards broadside shot um Mm -hmm. let me ask you this 
did he ever come within shooting range before you shot him? Like before no, he worked with, no, no okay. he's 60 yards was as close as he got before. Right. So the big dog, right? The, your number one, he, mm-hmm. he didn't show up that night. No. Uh, it's, it's still somewhat early because this is November, what, second that you shot him or first? Right. Uh, first. November 1st. Okay. So it's November 1st. Why, you know, you have some time left. Because uh, right. when, I, when I originally talked to you, um, you know, at the beginning of the season, you made it sound like this, you were after this buck and this buck only. Uh, right. And I have the same kind of experience this year where I, I really wanted to only hunt one, one deer, but that changed because my scenario changed. Did you, why did you take a shot on this buck and not hold out for the big dog? Be completely honest. Cause he was, well, it was kind of a couple things. The, the giant buck I've had, let's see, I've been watching him for four years and I've had two, three encounters with him over four years as far as me actually seeing him. Gotcha. And then I just had an encounter the night before. So, you know, it may have been crazy, but I still had this thought in my head, well, I'm probably not going to see him again. I hate, I just couldn't justify passing the deer that I shot on a whim that he might show back up. I know that sounds crazy. And plus, man, I like big eights and my, my heart was pounding and I let one fly. I mean, yeah. that's, that's about as honest as I can get. Yeah, absolutely, man. If it makes the heart beat, then, uh, that's a, definitely a deer to draw on. Right. 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 So you, uh, you dr- did you drill him or w- was it a good shot? Well, it, it wasn't as good as I would have liked it to been because he was quartered to me a little more than I thought he was going to be. So I was a little bit forward and, uh, I was kind of worried about it at first, but it ended up getting in there and, and getting both lungs. So I just tracked him for about a hundred yards and he was laid down up there. Gotcha. So, uh, when, when he showed up the first time, did that give you enough time to age him on the hoof and say, okay, well, this is, this definitely makes shooter status. Yes. Yes. And I had some pictures of him before too. So oh, okay. I, I recognized him. Gotcha. Gotcha. So how old do you think this buck was? I four i think four. he's four four and a half four-year-old okay cool man uh-huh. cool uh now you uh you shoot this beautiful deer and uh you do you still now have another tag left for oklahoma yes sir and are you actively hunting the big guy oh of course and have you had any other encounters with him this year no man like i said the last week week and a half has just been dead around here. Everybody I've talked to has kind of been having the same experience. We've had a kind of a run of warm weather probably the last week or so, and it's it's been tough. We did get a cold snap today, so I'm hoping that'll get stuff going again. Right. So now you have one tag left. Is this a holdout tag, or, again, is it another four-year-old that uh, any four-year-old or older gets an arrow? No, I preferably hold out, but I'm not going to make any promises. Right, right. Absolutely, man. <laughs> uh, it's tough. It's tough to uh, for any hunter to hold out for a particular deer, especially if that age class or even if you're an antler hunter uh, and you just want a big rack. It's hard to hold out for something that's big when there's another deer that is equal or even bigger 
to what you've shot in previous years, right? So, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and I do. I mean, I love venison too. So I, you know, I. That's a part of it. Yeah. Which I need to kill a couple damn does this year. I, I I go in every year saying I'm going to, and then end up messing around and not doing it. But yeah. I need to do that this year for sure. Awesome. So you think uh, you think the big dog's going to show back up? again after uh this dead period kind of goes away or is it going to turn sure into a late so. season he's still around i'm still getting nighttime pictures of him you know so he's still nobody's killed him yeah so what so about he'll show back up eventually what about taking advantage of those other properties I, yeah I, I may end up doing that especially if it doesn't get back going right here on the 30 pretty quick do you happen to know what farm he's coming from or going to so you can maybe uh, ambush him on an evening or morning hunt? You know, I've tried to pin him down as far as he comes. I can't really get – every time I've seen him, he's come from a different direction. So I don't know if he's bedding different due to wind direction or I really can't figure out where he's coming from consistently because he's always – one day he'll come from the north, one day he's coming east to west, the next day west to east. He's just real sporadic. That's probably why he's as old as he is. Right. Right, no, no real pattern to his movement. No, not not once he gets to me. You know, if I could get back and pinpoint where he's coming from originally, maybe so. But once he's working his way where I can see him, he's real erratic. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I tell you what, man. Uh, congratulations on a beautiful deer. Good luck the rest of the season. Hopefully, you uh, have another encounter or two with uh, the big dog. Absolutely, man. I'll let you know if I do. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout-out to Ben Brindley out of Oklahoma for hopping on and sharing that story with us today. Huge shout-out to all of you for taking time out of your day to listen to these podcasts, man. Uh, just appreciate it. Just know that I appreciate everything that you guys are doing for me. Uh, that's uh, it's very important, so thank you. Other than that, huge shout-out to all the partners of this podcast. We're talking about Lone Wolf Tree Stands. We're talking about Ripcord. We're talking about Wasp Broadheads. We're talking about Ozonics Prime and Vortex Optics. Please go out and support those companies because they support this podcast and it comes full circle, right? I put out this content for you. You go buy some of their products and they pay me money because I'm the reason that you bought the product. So it uh, it's a, it comes full circle and I really do appreciate that. Other than that, it's that time of year where we really need to focus on our family, focus on others. I mean, I call, it's the holiday season, right? Thanksgiving. Let's all remember what is really important in this world and it is family over everything. It's the only thing you have really in this life uh, that means anything. It's not a car, it's not a truck, it's not your house or your possessions. It is your family. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. So, and at the same time, get outside. There's plenty of hunting season left, man. Uh, appreciate nature. If you see something garbage alongside the road, pick it up. Do something good. And, uh, you know, I believe in karma. So you send good vibes out in the universe, man. Good vibes are going to find it their way back to you. Other than that, if you're going to be in a tree, please wear your damn safety harness. Happy holidays.